0: welcome everyone to the longhorn republic your source for texas longhorn news sports and opinions with a bit of snark built and we are a member of the 1012 podcast network and you can find more great coverage of all the big 12 over at 1012 network dot i'd also like to remind you this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at charlie hustle clothing company they are a vintage inspired clothing company based out of kansas city that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel charlie hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan all year long so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit any day you can. With more than 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. If you haven't gotten your Texas Volleyball National Championship shirt, what the heck are you doing? You can get 15% of it off of it, really, or any non-sale item by using the code 101215 that's ten one two one five 5 at checkout shop today over at charliehustle.com Charlie Hustle, vintage, made fresh. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Longhorn Republic Shooters and email, Longhorn Pod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who loves buzzer beaters more than he should.
1: Kyle Carpenter Kyle how are you um yeah it, it, this has been uh, an interesting time for uh buzz around basketball Texas uh, we'll talk had a little buzz uh negative buzz earlier in the week had a buzzer beater I believe uh A&M's Aggie buzz not doing so hot um so yeah we'll, we'll talk all the buzz around basketball um and uh yeah, if you happen to catch a, uh, a a dog snoring in the background, my 15-year-old is uh, is melatonined up uh, so that we can record this podcast uh, Monday evening. So, excuse me, Tuesday evening. Uh, we'll hit your podcast feeds Wednesday, but don't worry. He's good. He's just an old man who gets excited sometimes and gets zoomies at night. So, uh, doctor recommended. He's sleeping like an angel. Happens
0: to the best of us. We'll talk about the basketball team doing what the football team could not. We'll also talk about the ladies basketball team, uh, started struggling. Uh, I mean, they had a, an issue with injuries, obviously, uh, with Rory Harmon. out. so we'll talk about that quick, uh, a couple of things in the down the 40, talking about comings and goings and all of the random football mop up we need to do. And obviously we'll close the show out with some bang, the drum so much like the Texas football team, the Texas basketball team uh, had an opportunity to score late and take things over, but unlike Quinn Ewers, Max Asmus decides to do what he does and hits a clutch game winner with five seconds left, capping off Texas hitting six of their last seven points to rebound from an opening conference opening loss to Texas Tech with a seventy-four to seventy-three road win at Cincinnati uh, we can back up and talk about Texas Tech really quickly that was an ugly game and I hated it and it didn't really feel, feel great just a second loss in 27 games at the mood uh, Texas was down at halftime took a lead but then Tech kind of pulled away from it not a great game overall like just did not feel like Texas that we'd seen all year the the highs from Texas this felt like the lows of Texas that we've seen all year in that game and obviously it did ended out the Texas open conference play. 0 and one.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll talk when we, we talk a little bit about Cincinnati, right? Maybe answered some questions, a few, but tech definitely asked some questions. I, Texas doesn't have a, didn't have a quad one win and was looking for the opener against the tech team came in as the favorites at home, um, where they had been very, very good over the the course of the history, uh, of the mood in 27 contests. This is just their second, uh, loss to tech in, in, in Moody. Um, tech travels. Well, they come in and play hard. It was a close win over them last year at home. um, It doesn't matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter who the players are. Um like a, a dog has a biological urge to pee on a fire hydrant uh, a <laughs> texas tech player has a biological urge to put the horns down and play the best games of their careers i'm not saying um that there shouldn't have been particular tech players um not playing uh due to uh, potential domestic violence issues i'll leave that uh where it is but this podcast is a firm and, and hard stance we whether it's our own team's players or our opponent's players um or or, or coaches even uh, if you get them out of here yeah, if you do that kind of stuff get the heck off the court and, and out of our sight don't don't be associated with anything that has to do with the sports that we watch so um that's that goes again for our stance on arterio and and for uh, pops for for tech but anyways that's an aside because that i don't think that was the thing that that caused texas to lose um it was really that despite, you know, a double-double from Dylan Mitchell and, you know, some uh, batch scoring from, from AceMus that um, Tyrese Hunter hitting 20 points, it, it was not enough. You saw um, Texas' bigs kind of get out physical. They, they couldn't, uh, they weren't dominant on the glass. They really, you know, both Shedrick and DeSue weren't, weren't the presence that we hoped they would be in the Tech game. Um, against, a, you know, a good opponent, a chance for a quad one win, they just they didn't do it. They didn't look. They've looked good for stretches against bad teams. They look good for a few stretches against the good teams they've played, Marquette and UConn. But in both cases, they pulled away late. Uh, and You kind of saw it with, you know, Tech. At 12 minutes, it's a one-point game. And it's, okay, can Texas win ugly again um, as they have against some really lesser opponents and then this one against Tech, they just couldn't. We'll talk a little bit about the Cincy game and, and how they, you know, had a similar story, except they were up and tried to give it away. Um, but yeah, it just feels like there's that that. F- extra gear, Texas basketball is is lacking. And and I don't know if it's D'Sue getting healthier and, and having more of the workload as we saw with Shedrick out against Cincinnati and him going off. Um if that's the answer, if, you know, it's it's uh you know, we need to get more efficient in our shooting uh, across the board. I, I don't <clears throat> know, but there's still questions.
0: At yeah. At point. Yeah, there are definitely still questions. And I think Texas um has to find some answers. I think uh, Dylan D'Souza, a name that you mentioned, uh, is one that Texas needed to get answers from, and they got a little bit of an answer from him. And the uh, result was different, right? Dylan D'Souza had a career night on Tuesday, the night we we're recording against Cincy, and Texas managed to win that game, right? Thirty-three points, six rebounds, four steals, season high, thirty-four minutes to do it, right? Um, after missing nine games, they were kind of ramping him up, and I feel like he's finally hit the on ramp. And like that's the Dylan D'Souza that Texas is going to need uh, throughout the rest of the season because, you know, it's going to be tough. We, we've talked about it before. The Big 12 is a ball of freaking knives, right? And we could talk free throw disparities. We could talk all sorts of stuff. But when push comes to shove, you've got to play well in the paint and you've got to have your scorers score really well. And that's what Texas did, right? Dylan DeSue scored 33. Ace Miss scored 15 and obviously hit the game winner, right? So, like, Texas had uh, the right game plan to hand Cincy its first home loss. It really Got to get off the snide, right? Because the Big Twelve, it's really, really easy uh, to to let one loss turn into two or three, and you know, it's the margins are going to be very, very slim in this conference, very, very slim in the NCAA tournament. Texas, looking at some early, too early uh, March Madness projections, uh, was one of the first five teams out on Tuesday morning, so uh, the margins are not really there for Texas to drop uh, too many games, and so uh, this was a big pickup for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was Texas' first quad one win, right? They needed this. They needed this badly for the resume. Um, they're going to get a lot more chances. That is the Big 12, right? We know that even if they go 500 in the Big 12, that's going to you know equate to a pretty good tournament record. But they, you know, this is a tough conference. Cincinnati was their first loss at home, so they, they packed out, sold out crowd. Um, their first loss in the Big 12 as well. Yeah. Um, A good team. I don't know if they're the best team in this conference. I think there's some uh, some harder challenges to come. But you know, Texas will need think about against Louisville, right? A a last second win. This one, um, they played the game well. I think with a Dsu shot late, they got it to to one point, and then they played the foul game. Um, Cincinnati's free throw shooting kind of maybe was the difference in this one. We've seen those Texas teams in the past. This was a Texas team that hit their free throws, but um, it ultimately led to last second. Ace-mas, uh, you know shot that that won it so they they, they ran the end game and, and it came out on the right side they've done that twice this year um, which is great it, you need to be able to win ugly you need to be able to win close but like I would like to see them win convincingly against a good team that's the next step uh, that I think they they need to have this game they shot a lot better than against Tech shot 52 percent from the field which again to shoot worse when you go on the road in a packed crowd is is interesting but good for them Um Dissu in this one, it, it was the thirty-three points. That was certainly the story. Gerald with with those thirty-four minutes being the other story. The fact that he can go that much, but it was the the defensive end as well. Two blocks, four steals. Uh, he had four fouls as well, and they were good fouls. Like it was fouls that kept guys from easy buckets. Like he he did enough in the paint uh, on both ends that it kind of made you think, okay, this is what we've been missing. This is the Dissu um, that we were hoping for. Um, you know, at the end of last season before he gets hurt in the postseason. Uh, and we, we've, claimed that if he's healthy, right, there's a different outcome uh towards the end of, of last year's postseason. So we still haven't really seen a fully ramped up dissue like this with Shedrick. And maybe you can't. I don't know. I, I'd like to think you can, but that'll be the thing to watch is can both bigs go for Texas? Can they really have a formidable front court and can those two together, uh in addition to being good on the offensive end, anchor the defense and the glass? So th- you know, it'll be curious as Terry figures out the lineups and rotations uh in Big Twelve play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to happen quick because the Big 12 is not getting any... Easier. Houston got upset already tonight by Iowa State hitting a buzzer beater. Uh, so it, I mean, the Big 12 is going to be fully already. We're two games in and it's already fully in ball of knives mode, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not excited about it. It'll be some fun basketball, some stressful basketball. Uh, but that's what the Big 12 does. And uh, you know, it'll be uh, hopefully if Texas can turn out well, uh, things will go well for them in the tournament. So next up for Texas on Saturday, head in to Morgantown and take off West Virginia and then Wednesday against UC. F. On the ladies' side, um, terrible news, worst news, bad news. Uh, Rory Harmon out for the remainder of the season uh, after tearing her ACL. Texas was riding high, doing really well, uh, and then opened Big 12 play without Rory Harmon, uh, who obviously was not playing, um, and lost to Baylor 79-85, uh, to 85, uh, outscoring Baylor over the last three quarters of the game, but that pesky first quarter was terrible for them. Texas showed a lot of Texas fight in it, but but it's hard to overcome a preseason player of the year candidate going down for the remainder.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's really tragic and and Texas has had injuries that have derailed seasons in the past. I mean, obviously, you can think of one game injury, right? Colt McCoy in the National Championship. Um, there have been other seasons, you know, who knows what happens if Jonathan Brooks is, is, is healthy. But again, it's not important to say. But this early in the season, when they're flying this high, right, undefeated um, with, with marquee wins. Harmon was, I think, fifth in the nation when she went out hurt in just the simple box plus minus, right? When she's on the court, they're winning. Uh, she was also number one in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio, she was averaging 6.64 uh, assist to, to every turnover. The next closest was at 4.8. Like, she was head and shoulders above every player in the country. Like, she, point-blank period at both ends of the court. Caitlin Clark, kid and hold a candle. No one was doing what she was doing, full uh, court, offense, defense, leading the team, scoring when they needed it. She was an All-American. She was a a, you know, player-of-the-year candidate Legitimately, uh, and she was fun to watch. And when you know Dave Campbell named her the best basketball player, college basketball player in Texas, full stop. Men or women, um, doesn't matter. I, I think he, they were spot on, right? That was the correct uh, crowning for Rory Harmon. Two weeks before she got hurt, ESPN wrote a glowing article. Like it just sucks because this was supposed to be when she started to get her flowers and this team looked. They were big inside, you know. Madison Booker coming in and and being the dynamic player she is in Rory Harmon. It just seemed like this is okay. Everything's gelling for Vic. Now, her career's not done. She's going to be back next year, so I'm hoping they can run it back. But they just started out so high, and then that emotional come down against Baylor, right? When you lose not only the best player in the country— or one of three probably best players in the country. But then you're leading. Yeah, Caitlin Clark still exists. I agree. I agree. Uh, you're leading scorer in Taylor Jones as well. I thought it's some, some admirable fight. Like you said, Gerald, leading against Baylor. Uh, if you just, it was a three-quarter game starting with the second quarter, they win that game. But when you start off, I think it was like 16 to to six or something like that it was um quite a quite a start where baylor just got out ahead they never really recovered from that and that you know that that was tough to see because that team was undefeated everything was on the table and then the reality of not having rory set in a little bit not having taylor jones in the paint also set in a little bit but um showed a lot of fight and a lot of heart to to you know keep that one close down the stretch it was a three-point game uh with just you know two or minute, a minute or two left so I will say this team is not done, and we saw that in how they responded to that Baylor loss. I think they still are going to be fighting Baylor for the big 12 championship because Baylor looks better than we thought, right? They, after the UT win, are now ranked number four in the country. So give them their flowers that we knew preseason that they were the two favorites to win this. You take Harmon out of the equation. It definitely helps Baylor's case, but this big 12 is, is good top to bottom um, with about five or six teams that, that are, you know, going to, going to have good serious tournament runs. So if Texas can do what they did to tech a very good team, West Virginia, a ranked team, um, you know, they still have something to play for. They're not giving up. And a lot of that, of course, is is Madison Booker, just a phenom, a renaissance, a, a, a excuse me, a revelation. She can do it all. And uh, it's it's incredible to see her step into the limelight as a freshman and just take over the team.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Texas is going to need more of that uh, from her, right? You know, Baylor obviously is going to be Baylor this year. Unfortunately, you hate to see that, but Texas, you know, comes back and absolutely beats the tar out of, of Texas Tech in Lubbock 74 to 47 and then goes to Morgantown and wins 70 to 49. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's going to be Texas and Baylor battling back and forth for the Big 12. And, you know, I think even without Rory Harmon, like you said, Texas is still one of the most talented teams in the country. Now that does put a big damper on the blue chip ratio for Texas to put it, uh, to borrow a metaphor. But uh, I mean, I still think they've got a ton of talent. This is still the team that, that Vic Schaefer wants, you know, outside of obviously missing your most talented, your bell cow, your whatever you want to call it. Um, but this is still a team that is, able to compete and will likely make a tournament run. Now, are they a Final Four team without her? Time will tell. Um, They obviously didn't look like it against Baylor, but I also think there's something to be said about having to get your bearings back your first game after kind of an emotional loss like that. So I'm curious to see how that works out for them and what the rest of the season looks like. Speaking of the rest of the season, Texas heading or hosting TCU at the Mood on Saturday, the day you're listening to this, and then heading to Manhattan in Kansas, on on Kansas state on Saturday. So another opportunity to build a win streak and keep this thing. moving. That brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. So let's talk Kyle about all of the things happening with the football team. I called it comings and goings (laughs) in the, uh, in the show notes and that feels appropriate, right? Uh, So Texas has um, added a new coach, added uh, a couple of players or has a couple of players coming back, have several players leaving for the NFL draft and the portable will start with Texas replacing, it's outgoing linebacker coach who is now uh, Jeff Choate, who is now the coach at Nevada with the Arizona defensive coordinator, Johnny Nansen, coming in as a co-DC and linebacker coach, a friend of Sark's from way back when uh, they were, they were both on staffs together. They're still friends to this day and Sark brings him into uh backfill, a really important and probably one of the better developers on the staff. Um, getting a DC to take a position coach role uh, feels like a big win for Texas.
1: I wonder. I mean, it could be a pure coincidence. It could be a, a uh, situation that just worked out. But I wonder if Sark views that linebacker coach as as you know, like a, a because the middle linebacker is your quarterback of the defense, right? Is is a very you need that kind of very senior voice coaching those play. I don't know. It's anecdotally purely, but it's you took vital to the defensive unit for sure. You, you took a head coach in Jeff Cho, right? This is a head coach who came and took a linebacker coach um, job. You saw it with USC, I guess, taking a FCS. Uh, head coach and making him their linebackers as well. So maybe we're onto something here. But a head coach and Jeff Choach who who who, you know, knew some of the staff and, and it made sense for him to come, but then you know and, and to leave Bozeman Montana it's got to be a great uh, great opportunity but uh, takes that head coach uh, or excuse me that that linebacker coach position and then leaves for the Nevada head coach opening up this and you take a DC who probably you know as well as Jed Fish it was was doing in Arizona and the rumors for him to take another head coaching job was probably a, a guy to be in line uh, as well for future head coaching gigs um, and instead took a linebacker it one tells you about the power of Texas you right you're in in the new college football you know what we knew college football basically ended you know this week with with the the michigan washington national championship there's a new era coming next year we all are very aware of that but to come to the sec to come to texas as they go to the sec um, obviously he's going to be well paid but he's also if he does well has that position to make the same jump you don't have to go position coach coordinator head coach in a linear fashion anymore. That just doesn't happen. You saw it with Choate. You've seen it with other people as well, right? So if, if you know, you have the chops, and again, you have the relationship with Sark, I think it's a great fit. Um, you know that he was a great coach because that defense was was great. You saw what they did against OU in the bowl game, which was fantastic to watch. But, um, you know, to give up the play calling and all of that, you know he was a, a, a great coach because Arizona fans have been salty about this. They have been, I think... When you have a season like that and you feel like you're going into the Big 12 and you're going to dominate it, you're on top, and then Texas just takes, you know, one of your prized possessions away from you like that, It, it it's humbling and it puts into perspective your school and, and where you are in the pecking order and especially where the Big 12 sits in the new, you know, the new paradigm. Um, but yeah, they, they were not happy. Yeah.
0: I mean, I also think it may be Sark seeing uh, what his old friend's defense did to Oklahoma mm-hmm. in their bowl game, just saying mm-hmm. um, there's a certain uh, quarterback that may be shivering in his boots, uh, knowing that that uh, the Nansen's <laughs> coming for him. No, and there's also, like, there, there are other factors there, right? Like, uh, Johnny Nansen's daughter is a Texas student, right? right? It's not like these things are coming out of the blue. There are reasons. You know, You can, if my best friend, if, Kyle, if you offered me a job in which my child would also get free tuition at the University of Texas uh, you might not actually have to pay me because that's a big enough pay <laughs> raise in and of itself right so that's a big deal in Texas you know needed to replace Jeff Choate with an equally uh, high level hire and I think they did that and this linebacker position is hugely important to Texas we'll talk about uh, hugely important linebackers here in just a little bit as we talk about guys coming back for another year but you know that Piece is key to Pete Kwiatkowski's scheme. And I think not only do you get somebody in Nansen who's a really good schematic coach, he's also a solid, really good recruiter. Um, you've got your Polynesian connection. Let's just Heck keep yeah. it real, right? Let's keep it 100. Um, you know, he's got the Polynesian connection. He's Polyne- you saw Leonga LeFau, who tweeted about it. He literally tweeted about that they have a Polynesian coach uh, That's uh, awesome. on the day that the hire-, hire was announced. Like, it's important and vital to those guys. I'm going to be real with you. Like, Polynesian defenders love to freaking have them. So there yes. were some comings and goings.
1: Oh. oh, no, no, no. All I was going to say is is if Texas could add, you know, let's call it 20 percent more Polynesians on this team, I will not be upset. Like that's that is we've, we've had some success within the past. That is a, a gap that I hate to see other schools, even, for instance, Washington uh, with big Polynesians uh, just thrive and have success. If you're listening to this and you're a star Polynesian, first of all, thanks for listening. You know, tweet at Gerald and I will get you hooked up and connected with the staff. Um, But come to Texas. Come to Texas uh, and and play for, for, uh, you know, the the premier uh, uh, school in the state of Texas as well as a Polynesian coach uh, who is going to coach you all the way up.
0: Love it. So uh, we did have some comings and goings on the roster as well. We'll start with the fellows that are heading to the NFL draft as of recording time, 927 PM on Tuesday, January 9th, Texas had eight players as an eight players declare for the NFL draft. Xavier Worthy was the first one of them. Uh, Adonai Mitchell, Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford, Ryan Watts, Jatavian Sanders. We also had guys, uh, we also had uh, Tavondre Sweat, who I think exhausted his eligibility along with Jalen Ford uh, also declare so they're kind of the declarations. kind of just like hey thanks for having me uh jordan winnington's another guy who had exhausted his uh, eligibility and put out a very moving um Video talking about I didn't play at Texas. I played for Texas. That got me right in the feels. Uh, Texas is going to have to replace a ton of production. Uh, You have your top two leading receivers, your leading rusher, uh, your two leading tack, three leading tacklers there. uh, Top tight end. There's a lot of production that Texas is going to have to lose. But, um, you know, this is one of those... good problems to have. Texas has a lot of young talent in the cupboard, both uh, in the previous classes and coming in in the 2024 class. And seeing these guys, there's at least one or two early round, if not first round draft picks there, Texas is going to probably have five or six, maybe seven guys drafted in this group. It's not a bad problem to have. And I think it's going to be attractive, not just for high school players, but you see a guy like Adam. I who comes in and he was already a guy who was draftable, but I think his performance at Texas elevated that, that stock for him, right? A guy like Keelan Robinson, who really wasn't drafted and may look at, had himself as an undrafted free agent. will likely see himself as a priority uh, for teams that are looking for special teams help right Jatavian Sanders came in people were laughing we were we were poo-pooing his his want to play tight end and now three years later he's going to be the second tight end off the board right so this is a big deal for Texas and a big win to have all of these players um, and most of them are going to hear their names called uh, at some one point or another in the NFL draft
1: yeah I mean I I think the the kind of consensus mock drafts have uh five players like in the top 50 right xavier worthy yeah. byron murphy Adman that's 10
0: percent of the top 50 if you're if you're not keeping score
1: that's right Tavondre sweat jatavian sanders that's your first uh two rounds and and you know even even inside of that that's tremendous that is that is great that is what when sark you know people claim that he was trying to build a bama by stealing a bama assistance and even bama transfers in the beginning right that's a, that's what Bama does. Like that is a, that is what you do. You get these guys where they leave early some in some cases when they have eligibility and go to the NFL, which is a good problem to have, right? If someone's leaving, it's for the NFL. That's what you want to see. Uh, or they finish their careers and become ready to go to the next level. It's, it, it's tremendous um, to see that and to put it in perspective, the Longhorns uh, in the last 10 years, or I guess 2013 up to this year have had five players across all of those drafts in the top 51 picks. Um, the last of course being Bijan, but you know it just it shows what a special year this was and we talk I'll talk about that a little bit in a, in a moment here but um, this is good. This is the program you're building. This is the dynasty. This is the success. This is the recruiting chip that Texas needed. The success gets players in. Of course, we knew that was going to happen. But getting guys drafted, that's the thing that's been missing from the Texas of old. When you go in someone's living room and recruit, Texas has every discernible advantage. They do. This is the one that people were using to negative recruit against Texas. Hey, you yep. can be a five star. Well, five stars go to die. That's right. That's right. And that has been the the long time uh, pitch against Texas. And if they can break that, then to go you know back to the NCAA video game that should soon hopefully if if uh, you know we weren't hoodwinked be coming out. And it's anything like the recruiting system. We're all A pluses of the old of, of NCAA fourteen. We're all A pluses across the board now. And and <laughs> this is uh, this is big for us. I I love uh, to see every one of these guys guys leave and do what's best for them for their families for their future and again their success only begets more success for texas
0: absolutely again when you shed that where five stars go to die moniker um that it, good things happen. More five stars continue, right? Texas has added more five stars in the last couple of classes than they did uh, in the previous few. So, uh, guys who are, have announced already their return: uh, Texas center Jake Majors, uh, linebacker David benda defensive tackle, uh, defensive lineman Alfred Collins, and Baron sorrell have already announced they're coming back. Uh, leaving Texas, Trill Carter is looking for another home. Keaton Crawford, Jaron Thompson, Juan Davis was in for about 16 seconds, and then it was apparently reported that was in there erroneously and Charles Wright is on his way out as well we'll miss you Chuck um you know of the like this I don't want to sound terrible right but I think it became pretty clear that Texas needed to get better at at safety and Texas Mm -hmm. has done that in a couple of different ways And so I think that's why you're seeing you know uh, Keaton Crawford Jaron Thompson on their way out Charles Wright wants to play football and I get it and he's not going to you know he was going to be the third guy if he can go and he may have to go down a classification he may have to go somewhere else but like go end your career the way you want it to right sucks for you know a guy who loves Texas and want to compete but it kind of is what it is at this point Trill Carter would have been nice to have but I think Texas has some plans for defensive tackle has plans for defensive tackle as well Um, and I think we're seeing that come together with the return of guys like Collins and Sorrell
1: yeah and and I wonder if the a certain portal rumor that's it's floating around and, and visit that's coming up this week and has anything to do with Troy Carter, who came in knowing he would be a backup this year, but was a you know an All Big Ten uh, player previously for Minnesota. Um, I think thought he would be handed the reins if not this year into next year. And so when there was still a little bit of question with that, um, I, I don't I don't blame him at all. I mean he he's trying to go play on Sunday so he's probably going to go somewhere and, and be the the guy on their team because he is very good so um we'll be watching where he goes I do think you're right great 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 special teams play from Keaton Crawford it, it, you know a couple things that safety would have liked to have back um but a guy who played his tail off for Texas Darren Thompson yeah. just you know again has probably maxed out his development of what he can do at Texas there's no hard feelings he's contributed a ton some great plays he's just had some you know some places where his ceiling with what he can do physically may you know be different than what Texas is trying to build to get back to the playoffs and to you know the the games that really matter and and again I think he'll land somewhere and have a great season and be a leader on that team and do well and again try to square himself up for for uh, you know a, a guy who makes a team on Sundays um Charles Wright, I believe, Gerald graduated. He did four years at yeah. Texas and graduated. So uh, anytime, again, any player, but especially a quarterback, you're going to do your uh, your years, graduate for the school you love, and then get to go have kind of a Lanyap year. go for it. Um, the guys returning, you mentioned Benden, right? I think that when Choate left, there was just that conversation of, is he going to follow to Nevada? So uh, I think – getting that linebackers coach higher. We just talked about probably helped that one getting a, a, a fifth year center to anchor the line and, and keep most of the offensive line attack heading. The sec is huge. Um, and then the defensive line, like you talked about Sorrell and, and I think even more Collins, he's, he's looking for that sweat bump. Like he's mm-hmm. a guy who we could be talking about in another top 51 type uh, draft. If he plays up to the performance that, or to the, the talent level that we saw in high school, the things he's flashed his freshman year. If he can get that consistent, then he can step and he can step in and, and get the Bo Davis, you know, finishing school uh, of players taking a leap at the end of, of their careers. Um, you know, he can be the next in the line of what I've argued on this very podcast at least five or six times, Texas is defensive tackle you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that'll continue to develop for Texas, and I think um, that will – I mean, as long as Bo Davis is here and it doesn't seem like he wants to go anywhere, and Texas is pretty uh, intent on keeping him here. Suck it, LSU. Suck at LSU. Suck it, (laughs) Brian Kelly. um, Sark. Keeping his staff intact, I think Bo Davis is one of the most impactful guys on that staff when mm-hmm. you look at, um, you know, I mean, when you look at the culture, right? There's a reason why smarter people than we are had the hashtag Bo Davis was right uh, <laughs> when they talked about Texas this year. Because I think it's a pivotal piece of the defense and the toughest that this team has. Uh, for his trouble, start, keeping his staff together, uh, was named one of the five finals for the George Munger College Coach of the Year Award, turning Texas around, getting them to the college football playoff for the first time. Uh, and they were within one play of playing for a national championship so big ups to sark uh likely going to see a big contract come his way or an extension of some sort because when a coach brings home trophies that's when you can extend them and he brought home a conference championship trophy so go ahead and extend him because i think it's the right time to do so
1: well earned yeah i think he took it took a risk a bit on sark of course um coming back to the head coaching role hadn't proven that in a few years um and so they got him probably at a at a deal honestly at a discount discount, um you know it's 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 there's no reason i should have got my wife to marry me right sometimes you just get lucky with the deal that the other person signs up for and and you get them at an incredible steal but uh somehow in in my late 20s i found uh, you know a, a first round draft pick who was willing to take a chance on me uh and in the same way texas i think was sark really knocked it out of the park and i think that that uh, raise that's coming his way in the next couple weeks is uh, is well deserved.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of well deserved, Madison Booker became the first Big Twelve freshman since 2020 to earn her title of the Big Twelve Player of the Week. Her second National Player of the Week honor, um, getting the Tamika Catchings National Player of the Week honor uh, with a big. A uh, big performance against UConn.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think the the um, USBWA National Player of the Week um, is is a big deal and well deserved. Um, she, like I mentioned, has has been dominant in Harmon's absence. Really, just doing everything because she's she's like a Magic Johnson sized point guard for the women's game. She's she's huge. She can crash the glass. Right. She's uh, had multiple games with. Um, You know, near at least the the better part of a triple double on the rebounding part. She's running the offense, um, moving the ball, facilitating assists. Um, We know she can score. That was never a question. Um, Against ranked opponents this season, she's averaging twenty points, seven point three rebounds, and six assists. Um, She averaged nearly twenty this past week um, against Tech and West Virginia, Um, and just you know, again is is filling out the stat sheet and really stepping in to run this team um, is kind of a, a point forward for uh, Texas with Harmon out. She's been the main ball handler. So um, a lot is asked of a Vic Schaefer point guard. We know that. And for a freshman uh, who, yes, was, was a huge get as a recruit, but man, she's been even better than advertised.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She um, just continues to be uh, continues to be a bright star for Texas and hopefully we'll continue to do so. Speaking of bright stars, number three men's Texas, uh, Number three, men's tennis open spring season with a singles and doubles title at the Miami Spring Invitational, Uh, facing off against the Miami Hurricanes, the Arizona State Sun Devils and the LSU Tigers. Micah Braswell doing Micah Braswell things.
1: Yeah, Braswell winning his third straight collegiate singles event. Uh, Spaziri and Harper won, were the doubles champions. I think right now, because they're ranked number one and number two, they're competing against each other, Braswell and Spaziri. So if that's your competition um, that it goes throughout the rest of the spring season, basically which one of them is number one and which one of them is number two, I feel really good about this redemption season where Spaziri decided to come back. Uh, they kept the group, the gang together to to go back and get that national championship that they they hoped for last year and had some heartbreak to not get that makes me feel good about the spring season as texas uh looks well in the director's cup as as we wrap up the the fall sports and we know texas is strong in the spring sports if men's tennis is is firing off uh this well then then uh a couple teams uh i think north carolina and stanford currently ahead of texas uh need to need to watch out the horns are coming
0: The horns are absolutely coming. Not just the horns, but the drums. Which brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions of all of college athletics. Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: A tremendous segue, Gerald. Um, The horns and drums bit you did there. I I really, some of your finer work. Um, Gerald, I'm banging the drum on a magical season. Um, I know there's a little bit of heartbreak because we didn't get to play for the national championship. Um, we just recently watched uh, the, the team that, that pulled it out and beat us um, play against Michigan and, and, and get beat right Washington. We were one play. I believe the the stat was, we had uh, we had eight plays in the red zone in the final, like three minutes and, and uh, we're only able to score three points, right? The first drive in which we took the field goal before the onset kick attempt. And then obviously uh, towards the end. So, uh, Bitter. To be that close, um, it stings. I get that. Um To watch Penix come back to earth after literally one of the best quarterbacking performances, both by the eye test and by pro football focus, of the season and of our lifetime. Um To come back to earth again, give credit to that Michigan defense who's, who's really, really good. Um, but again, you didn't see him miss. You didn't see receivers drop balls. You didn't see any of that happen against Texas. It just was a little bit of a comeback uh, to earth moment. And that was frustrating. But I don't want the season for Texas fans to end with that bitter taste, right? We only dogpile in Omaha. I get it. We only celebrate championships. But championships are few and far between, Gerald. This was Texas's 11th season, finishing the year in the top three. I know we're a blue blood. I know we've won hundreds and hundreds of games. We have an expectation to win the championship every single season, and anything else is a failure. But this is one of the best seasons in Texas Longhorn football history. Like we have to put that into perspective. Again, their eleventh top three finish. Now there have been multiple national championships that finished above it, but nonetheless, this was this was a pantheon season. This was a special season. You lost Bijan Robinson. You lost one of the like. All-time great longhorns, one of the the single best longhorns in the past 10, 15 years, like bar none, one of the best longhorns I've watched in my lifetime, he leaves and you have a team that's again one play away from from a national championship. That's incredible. No one really truly expected this. We'll talk about a little bit in our season recap, um, you know, how we even got here and and you know what what that is, uh, at least later this week. But just, you know, I want folks when you're listening to this, if if you're a little bit Bitter and a little bit upset and a little bit, you know, just thinking about what could have been that that's OK and that's fine. But try to center yourself on thinking about what did happen and, and appreciating it and appreciating Jonathan Brooks, even though he got hurt getting that Big 12 championship play, which is one of the coolest things I've seen in sports. Appreciate Sark getting his first ever top 10 finish in the AP poll. Right. Um Appreciate the offensive weapons who aren't going to be here, the seniors who gave their all, who came back uh, and, and you know, gave their all and now we're moving on. Like this was a special group and you can't just replicate that. You can't just assume we're back for sure next year. We'll be right back there in the top five. Like I hope that's the case. And we have the talent to do it and we'll talk about that. We got plenty of time in the off season to talk about that, but just enjoy this for what it was. It was a special season that ultimately didn't end up exactly The Hollywood script that we wish it would have been where we get to the national championship and who knows, maybe we're able to stop that Michigan running attack and win it. Don't let that bury the emotions of joy and experience the highs that this season was.
0: I mean, this is arguably, not arguably, this is the best, most successful season Texas has had since 2009. Like it's you could just say that. And so uh, for the vast majority of people, like most of the most of the student athletes playing, um, you know, they were not really cognizant when that thing was happening. Right. They were uh, barely around. They were kids. So uh, not to mention 2005. Right. Let's not even get into that. But uh, I mean, this was an incredible season. And yes, it didn't end the way that we wanted it to. And yes, there's uh, you could see the meat left on the bone. But, you know, let's let's celebrate the season. For what it is. Actually, a great segue into my bang the drum. So, I'm banging the drum this week on people's perception and how they take in college football. So much of the online conversation was about how bowl season has lost its luster and how, uh, you know, what these opt outs are killing college football and blah, 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 blah. And I am going to say this in no uncertain terms as somebody who puts out college football content every week, stop letting media voices determine your focus and enjoyment of college football. We would all be better off if we did not let the, lettered networks right espn fox whoever determine our focus for any given week and any given month and ride that wave because we end up with the colorado craziness of this year and then spending so much ink on well what happened to colorado they were, they were a terrible team last year. They were a less terrible team this year. We, they were going to start, a, win a couple of games at the beginning of the year, and they were probably going to be terrible, right? Like, it is what it is. We would end up with fewer idiots saying – we would end up with fewer people lamenting the fact that there are these opt-outs and these bowl um, – you know, the, the bowls are losing their luster, and we'd have more focus on the Pop-Tart Bowl and the Mayo Bowl, right? We would all be better off if we just – ignored so much of the taste making from the people who get paid off the flavor. So let's just take a moment, step back and and really what makes college football fun? And it is whatever you want it to be. And so instead of focusing on what's wrong with this beautiful and ridiculous sport that we love, focus on what is right
1: And, and enjoy it because it'll change. And I'm not saying for the worse, but this is the end of an era. Like, it is very clearly something different. It was something different 20 years ago, and it was something different 50 years ago. We know that. But this this is the end of an era. As is, is the lack of regionalism becomes, you know, mega conferences and, and those West Coast teams are moving to the Big Ten, and we move to the SEC with Oklahoma. It's going to be different. Like, the 12-team playoff. Things are going to be different. Um, and this is kind of the end of a certain chapter of college football. So just enjoy it for the craziness that it is and uh and try not to get too high try not to get too low just take it and enjoy this stupid beautiful awful wonderful crazy uh sport that that we all spend far too much of our time and energy uh obsessing over
0: and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet
1: Oh, you can follow me on the social medias at kyle Carpenter. you can also follow the texas pre-gamer at texas pre-gamer
0: follow me on twitter at gh goodridge follow the show on twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, Longhorn Republic Pod at com Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll be back on Friday with a bit of a season recap and we'll catch you up on who won Pod Stradamus this year. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time,
1: hook up. hook up. Don't call it Michael Penix's Refactory again.